Hello and welcome to another episode of the fantastic Spooks. And with me, my co-host, the wonderful Douglas Skelton. Douglas, how are you? Yes, I, I am here. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Are you speaking closely to the microphone? Yes, I am. Good man. And this is your brand new microphone. We're getting very slick these days, aren't we? Yes, very professional. Well, well, I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't go that far, to be honest. But 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 we're getting very something. <laughs> yes, that's true. I'm now, not sure what that something is, but we're getting it. This this is episode is by way of a sort of big trailer. Um, I'm calling it an articulated trailer. Um, because you get small trailers and then you get articulated trailers, which are long things. Do you agree? Well, okay, I'll say yes. I'm not sure where you're leading with this articulated trailer. But, <laughs> well, <yeah>. I mean, <laughs> to, well, tomorrow um, you're away doing something very top secret and interesting, which we can't talk about, but we may talk about in future episodes. Uh, and you're doing all that, which is great. So, but I am left to do to deal with the the wonder that is Quentin Jarden. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, he'll be absolutely fine. He's a big pussycat, really. He is. You know, that. You know that. we've appeared with him at the likes of Bloody Scotland and elsewhere. We're well acquainted with Quentin, a, a legend in Scottish crime fiction, as we both know. Yes, he is. He most certainly is. Um, so while you're away, I have the, the, the pleasure of interviewing Quentin. So we're going to trail that today. So listeners, if you watch out for the episode, which will be called Quintessentially Quentin, which will be going up towards the end of this week. Um, so that's one thing. And then we're, we've got the pleasure of Carol Ramsey's company. Uh, ah. And that's, that podcast will be coming out afterwards. All sounds great to me. Yeah, do you think that's good? Oh. And, and what's been happening to you in the intervening time, Douglas? Uh, um, well, as as you uh, made our, our, our listeners aware, uh, last Friday night I was out socialising uh, with uh, members of the Faculty of Advocates and uh, people with the, the court services. What people might not know is that I've been working with them uh, on a a courtroom drama called You the Jury, which we presented in uh, three sellout uh, performances at Bloody Scotland this year. So the dinner on Friday night was really for us to get together and pat, a, pat each other on the back to say how wonderful we were, but also to talk about um, what to do with, with the production next year. And the, I can't say at, at this stage what, what is planned because it's not uh, finalised, but it, we will be back, let's put it that way. And there are quite big plans uh, with the faculty. And, and they're absolutely tremendous, these people. They're really, really good at what they're, what they're doing. How they so, pull all this together is incredible. Can you tell us a wee bit more about what You Are the Jury actually entails, Douglas? Because I know you performed it during the time of Bloody Scotland. It gets performed, as you say, in courthouses around the country. Give us the kind of... What's the synopsis? Well, the idea was... Um, you, the Jury, is is a courtroom drama, as I said, and as you've just said, it, it was presented in, a, a, sorry, Stirling Sheriff Court. Uh -huh. And the, the notion is that I have taken a real-life case 
from the 1930s. I, I seldom say what the case is because I don't want people to, to go and look it up and then come with any preconceived notions. Not that it would help them much because we have changed the evidence, we've changed the names, we've changed the locations, we've updated the piece so that we can bring in uh, more up-to-date forensic evidence because we have real-life forensic scientists sure. right in this uh -huh. case. And the advocates for the prosecution and the defence are also real-life advocates. And the judge is a retired judge. And what we do is we present this very much as a drama. The courtroom staff who, who have volunteered to take part really help bring this to life. And the jury of 15, um, for, for listeners outside Scotland, we have 15 people on the jury in Scotland, not 12. And the jury of 15 is selected from the audience. They then listen to the evidence as presented as it would be in a real case, albeit very much truncated down to, to about an hour or so, just over an hour. Uh -huh. And then they are invited to deliver a verdict. And in Scotland, again, we have three verdicts. So there's guilty, not guilty, and not proven. Right. So all this happens as live in a courtroom, and you are the jury. So the who, who decides of the guilt and innocence? The, the jury decides whether it's guilty, not guilty, or not proven, because uh, courtrooms are not interested in evidence, evidence uh, or innocence, sorry. It's guilty or not guilty, remember. Yes, indeed. Well, that's very, very, that's very true. Apart from not proven, not proven, which again, uh, again, for the benefit of, of those not in Scotland, a not proven verdict is also an acquittal because the accused walks free without a blemish on his character, as the judge says. One of the great, one of the great flaws in Scottish law, as far as I'm concerned, or uh, the strengths, as far as I'm concerned. Oh no no! Anyway, we, we won't we won't go into into that um, hoary old <laughs> problem. However, uh, for those so for those listening, uh, you did it last September during the, a run. It was in Stirling Sheriff Court, wasn't it? It was yes, Stirling Sheriff Court. Very very successful. It was. Uh, yes, it was I, 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 I played the accused. Mm, that's, that's that sounds reasonable. Yes yes. I think and again, I won't say what the results were because, you know, anybody who's coming along to it fresh when, when we do it in the various venues next year, um, you know, I'd rather not that they don't know how things went before. Don't divulge, Douglas. Don't divulge. No, no. No, absolutely not. Because because that could, that could cause you all kind of problems. But it's it was interesting. Let me say that. You know, it was a very, very interesting um, a feeling to be... Uh, in the uh, in the dock, uh, and then even though I knew we were all play acting, it became very very real. And I think it, that's because not just about the quality of the people involved, but also the fact that you know this is what they do, so they really know how to put this across. And the whole idea that that stemmed from the faculty of advocates was that they wanted to to show people what it is really like in a Scottish courtroom with, with mm. all. The, the, you know, we have preconceived notions. We, we tend to think that we know what happens uh, because we've seen it on telly, um, but it's not really like that. You know, in a real courtroom, it's a completely different atmosphere. And it's just down to little things like the judge doesn't have a gavel. No, he just shouts. So yeah, just, just well, doesn't even shout, but, you know, he has no gavel, so there's none of this order, order business. 
Um, and you know, somebody said to me, "But do they not? Do they not um, examine the jurors?" And no, no, it's not. You you know, in a Scottish jury, uh, you are selected, and that's you. Uh, so you're on there. There's none of this as, as we see in American uh, dramas of the voir dire, where uh, the, the defence, the prosecution interview each prospective juror, and it can you know take weeks into, in order to impanel a jury. But there are instances where members of the jury initially um, chosen can can prove to be unsuitable. Um, yes, they can. They might know the accused. They might know. I remember once um, that uh, my 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 wife was called for jury service in Glasgow, and when she turned up, the case was actually being uh, the the, the defence uh, solicitor was actually a solicitor that I was doing work with, so she had to declare that, and she was dismissed. Yeah, I mean that's and, and there's other wee things. There's, there's loads of wee technicalities that can go on all over the place. I mean, I I remember walking out of the I think it was Edrish Sheriff Court, and you walk in and straight into the dock. Um, not the door, but the witness box, and I was asking a question. Case. I was a case, the doc. No, and no, I was a policeman in this situation. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. And <laughs> and I turned round and faced me was two doors, and now I'd only come out of one door, and I couldn't remember which door I'd come out of. So you've got to take a, you've, in that situation, you've got to take a gamble, haven't you? Yes, you do. So what I did was I chose the right-hand door because I thought, well, that, that's that's the one most likely to be, surely. And it was a cleaner's cupboard. <laughs> and and the, the moral of that story is, never go to the right. No, always go to the no, that now, you, now you're... Always veer left. I never knew you were in the lodge, Douglas. <laughs> Goodness. Well, you, you find something new every day. We can have, we can have a chat about that later. Off air. <laughs> but, you're, but you're also involved with travel lodge. Month. You're talking about, isn't it? Well, I, <laughs> I can't comment. Um, you're also involved with another um, stage-like situation in that you are part of four blokes without a plot. Is that the current title? Well, four blokes in search of a plot. Four blokes in. I think the first one I said is better. <laughs> Four blokes with absolutely no plot whatsoever or any idea about so, anything. I think it's probably the, the correct title, but it's a bit long to get on a poster. So that's you, Gordon Brown, um, not the prime, the former Prime Minister, but Gordon Brown, the doyen behind um, Bloody Scotland. Mark Leggett, another, a fellow yep. crime writer, and the inimitable Neil Broadfoot. Neil Broadfoot, that's right. So what's the um, setup for that? Well, this this is an idea, and this is a thing we've been doing for a couple of years, where we 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 turn up wherever we're invited or mm -hmm. are paid, um, whichever comes first, and uh, we, we invite the audience to give us uh, a main character and yep. a murder weapon, and then we take it in turns to create a crime story in front of their very eyes. So the audience give us the main, the, the protagonist and the murder weapon, and then they select which of the crime writers is going to start the story. Uh -huh. that, that writer then dons the sacred tea cosy of inspiration okay. uh, and then writes about 100, 150 words on a laptop. 
while he's doing that, the other three talk to the audience and answer any questions that they've got um, about crime writing, etc., or you know anything at all, basically, and tell lots of stories. And you know, it's, it's all very entertaining. Once mm-hmm. the author has finished his hundred or so words, he takes the sacred tea cozy of inspiration from his head, and that's the sign that that he's done. And he then reads out what he's written. The audience right. then selects the next crime writer to continue the story, and the whole process begins again. Now, I mean, who am I to say that sounds that sounds great? I mean, what, <laughs> what, what, what tortured mind thought this up? It, well, it, it began with um, a, a, an online um, event that we did for, I think it was the I'm going to say the Saltire Society, but I, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm fairly certain it was. Um, and the first time uh, it was done, it was um, on Twitter, I think, and there was all, a whole host of, of crime writers involved. The next time we did it, it was just the four of us. It was Gordon, Neil, Mark, and myself, and it was done on Facebook. Right. And while we were doing the, 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 the storytelling on Facebook, taking it in turns, and we were selected in this case by Laura Jones, who is on the committee for Bloody Scotland and who is also um, a, a publisher as, as well, she, she was selecting which author was to do it next. We were on Skype uh, just fooling around. So while, for instance, Neil was away writing his words on Facebook, uh-huh. Gordon, Mark, and I were up to all sorts of hijinks on Skype that nobody but us could see. And when Neil came back, he would maybe find us either not there uh, right. or wearing strange hats uh, or with a big cuddly toy sitting there in the place of an author. So we, we had so much fun, you know, off uh, line, <laughs> as it were. And as we discussed it, we thought, you know, there's so much going on there that we could actually do this as a show. So we took it from there. We had been doing a thing called, oh, what did we call it? Um, I can't remember what it was called before, where we just trundled out and, and spoke to audiences about crime writing. So we changed the format of that into four blokes in search wow. of a plot. And it's a lot more fun. It's, it really is just a piece of, of fun. And so far, the audiences have, have thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, well, I mean, that sounds... Um... If, if not rather obscure and strange, it sounds a lot very interesting. But and you and you may be even exporting this to a, a country as yet to be identified. No, well, I can identify. We're, we're going to Spain. Uh, I think it's next February. I'm terrible with dates, as you know. Oh, yeah. I always forget. Um, I'm not not so good with uh, pineapples either. But uh, so I'm going. We're going to Spain with it, <laughs> and we are also doing uh, the Glasgow International Comedy Festival next, oh, and, uh, next year. Oh, oh, can, I, can I come to that just to see what a car crash is going to be? Yes, of course. You've, you've seen the car crashes that I've taken part in. In fact, you have taken part in car crashes <laughs> that I have taken part in. Not literally. Dear listener, not literally. Although I did go down a, a, a bus lane once with Denzel in the car, but that's another story. Yes, Douglas, uh, Douglas's uh, navigation consists of, well, there's a bus that's got the same destination in front of it that we're going to. Let's follow it. Did this we is, get there? We did. We did. Did we get there time? I think, I, think, I think we left about four hours before we had to arrive. <laughs> and, and, and this is when you were, you were driving my car and you kept trying to change gear with a hairbrush. 
Yes, yes, because it, your, your car's an automatic and I, I'm used to the, the stick change. So there was a hairbrush uh, sitting uh, in, the, uh, <laughs> in the wee compartment at the side and I kept on reaching out to change the gear. Yeah, that's that, that was very interesting. I'm sure Mercedes just love... We should recommend that they put a sort of false hairbrush in there to give people yeah. the, the feeling of driving in, in a manual. End, in the end, I just used it to comb my hair, which, you know, did upset Denzel because it meant I had to take both hands off the wheel, but never mind. Well, I mean, and obviously, you, and you left a residue of, of grey hairs in my otherwise unsullied brown yes. hair, hairbrush. Yes, um, yeah, it flies off the, like, tumbleweed. <laughs> I wouldn't... Wouldn't be quite as kind as that, to be honest. <laughs> Been out with me in a windy day is like one of those westerns in the ghost town when it all sorts of it sort of rolls down the street. <laughs> ah, it's like actually McPherson circa nineteen seventy four. <laughs> Remember, he used to have that sort of comb over thing where he does kind of frizz. Actually, if you're listening, I, I do still love your commentary. And you're one of the you're an icon of Scottish football, but you did have one of the worst hairstyles on the planet at that time. <laughs> Um, and anyone who was into football in the 70s and watched looked at Archie McPherson will remember that with great fondness so we're going to talk about new and um, other things as well today um, first of all as you know in, in spooks it's not just all about books we talk about other things too is not that right Douglas it is yes we talk about tumbleweed and hair dryers uh, hair, hair brushes sorry and we're not, we're not even going to bring up the, the measuring of the oil in the tank today because... No, 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 no. That's no. becoming something of a trope. I'll discuss it tomorrow with Quentin, but... but, but um, I said that, I am awaiting, you know, an oil delivery. Good grief. I, 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 what are you, how are you going to... How are you going to reconcile this with the figures already gained? I have no have, idea. I've not worked that out ahead of time. It's not very a, much a work in progress, you know. I, I like to live close to the edge. So you haven't made a mark or anything? Well, I, I know where it was last time I dipped, if I can say that one here. Um, but um, I'm sure it, it, it has gone even further down because it's, 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 you know, it's a bit brisk these days. It's oh, thank oh, oh, you. There we are. <laughs> as, as you know, listeners of Spooks, um, in most of our episodes, Mickey has appeared and there he is yet again. Uh, barking. <laughs> on, on cue, barking at something. So anyway, to if Mickey is is Mickey stable, is he okay? He's fine. He's fine. Good. Um, the situation is, uh, you're going to talk about a film you saw recently called The Mule. Who does that star, Douglas? Clint Eastwood, and he directed it. Um, Neil Broadfoot has been telling me for ages. He said, oh, "You need to see The Mule. Uh, it's, it's really good." And we'll get Neil on to the the podcast at some time in the future. Um, Absolutely. That'll be a treat. That'll be a treat for somebody. I'm not quite sure who, but it will be. Oh, uh, so, be real. so finally, the mule came on to um, a, a certain satellite channel uh, who aren't giving us any money, so I'm not going to mention them right. uh, by name. But uh, so, so I watched it at the weekend, and he was right. It is, it is very good. But I'll, Clint Eastwood plays, I think he's a 90-year-old in this, and that, that can't be too far away from his own age, um, who... Uh, became a, a mule for the drug cartels in the USA. And, and it's a very nice, sort of very slow uh, kind of movie. Um, but what frightened me about it is just how old he has become. I mean, I've grown up watching Clint Eastwood right from the 60s. Right, I mean, I, I, right from when he was in Rawhide, 
Uh, I remember, you know, sitting watching them when I was just a slip of the lad and yeah. um, the lad being my father and the slip being me. But the, so I was watching <laughs> watching uh, Clint as, as Rowdy Yates on Rawhide. Do you remember that, Denzel? Yeah. No, I'm afraid this is long before my time. Yeah, I right. I, okay. I, it was um, the. the uh, I remember the Virginian. That was the first yeah. cowboy. Okay. You know, yeah. so you you have a few years in me, Douglas. I have, I have. So, uh, and then of course through the spaghetti westerns, and then into the seventies when he became a superstar. So to see him, I, I, we're all older, um, as as you know. But it was yeah. a bit of a shock to see, you know, that he has kind of wasted away a bit, and and how old he is. But he's lost none of his power. Uh, he's still, you know, a really good director. And you know, a, a, a very good performer as well. His his range might be limited, but what he does, he does well. But mm. the Mule, I would thoroughly recommend. Um, and Bradley Cooper's in it as well for for those ladies who who like a wee bit of swimming as well. Bradley Cooper. Never, I've never heard uh, never heard of him either. Not a clue. Who's Bradley Cooper? What's he been in? He, he's he uh, he was in the most recent uh, remake of a star is born and he worked with with Clint Eastwood uh, the director of mm. American sniper and Bradley Cooper's all over the place Denzel you know, you, you really need to get get down with the youth and get your you know your finger in the pulse well, you you're more of a film fan these days and I'm more of a kind of um I'm right into TV box sets mm-hmm. uh um, but be via Amazon Prime or via Netflix or whatever HBO etc. And the thing I want to talk about today is the man in the high castle just dropped at the week. I think believe that's the technical term, Douglas. I will take your word for it. Yes, it's dropped. Dropped onto um, Netflix. Uh, sorry, onto Amazon Prime um, this weekend. And I had consumed it over the last two or three nights, along with my dear dear wife, who thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's predicated um, or based upon the book written by Philip K. Dick of the same name, The Man in the High Castle, although it uh, bears little resemblance to his original story. Um, there are very few characters in um, his book that uh, are in the actual TV series. But it's all to do, without giving too many spoilers away, it's all to do with multiverses and alternative universes. Now, when Philip K. Dick was writing this, I believe in the late 60s, the idea of having multiverses um, only seconds apart was something from for the birds. But since then, science has, has proven and caught up with his, which were thought to be outlandish theories, uh, and proven just about that there probably does exist alternative universes where we we exist but in, in a different way, you know? Yeah. Uh, which is very interesting, isn't it? Can you imagine? It is. It is. But, I mean, Philip K. Dick, I mean, probably the most famous um, adaptations of his work are, are Blade Runner, mm-hmm. which was, was based on Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. And I think Total Recall um, was also based on a story of his. Yes, uh, it was so well. He he had a brilliant mind. He, he did have a brilliant mind. He was a quite a, a, an eccentric character, by all accounts. Um, but I think that, but, uh, unlike with, you know, who you know, well, I have we, a brilliant we, mind. We are so average. 
Well, you know, you're, you're, you're talking to me yourself there. I'm absolutely brilliant, as you know. <laughs> but, but the thing about Philip K. Dick is, you know, at the time these guys are, are talking this and writing this kind of stuff, it's often considered to be beyond the pale and absolutely impossible. But Philip K. Dick has been more and more respected as science has caught up with his theories, a bit like Arthur C. Clarke in a way. Um, although Arthur C. Clarke was more celebrated because the things happened in his lifetime, you know, the, the communication yeah. satellite, which he speculated upon in the in the 40s or something, um, came to fruition um, 20 or so years years later. Yeah. Uh, and And... But Philip K. Dick didn't enjoy that that uh, the, um, fulfillment of his his speculative fiction. He died before most of this became based in scientific fact. However, as far as uh, the Man in the High Castle was concerned, I think he he based that on on theories originally espoused by Einstein, um, who also speculated about the the chances of alternative realities and alternative. I think it's called string theory now, um, or multiverse theory. Uh, it's all very interesting. But in this, in this uh, series, in this show, um, the Germans and the Japanese, the Axis powers, win the Second World War um, and occupy America. Um, we have the German Reich on the east side of America and on the west side, based in San Francisco for some reason, not Los Angeles. Probably San Francisco is more picturesque. Uh, they have the Japanese who have the, their own sector there, and in between, down what used to be the breadbasket of the United States, you've got a sort of demilitarized zone, uh, and where kind of the you know ne'er do wells hang out, and there's rebellion is being fomented, and etc. etc. Rufus, um, Rufus Sewell, have you ever come across him, Doug? Oh, yes, yes, very, very busy man. He plays uh, he plays a man called John Smith. Now, not a very imaginative name, but I think it's intended to be sort of um, the everyman. This could be you, John Smith. And indeed, he, in the last episode of the fourth season, which is the last, I won't give anything away, but he alludes to that in his his, uh, his final remarks. Um, so it's it's a very interesting concept. It's done done before. It was done in very well uh, by Robert Harris in Fatherland, yeah. though he didn't have the multiverse theory involved. It was just a plain plain story whereby um, Germany had had won the war, and various yeah. authors over yeah. the years have, have have tried the same thing. Can you remember of any more, Doug? Uh, I can't. Robert Harris was the one that came into mind. You know, this was an alternative history view of it, as you say. Um, Len sure Dayton was another one. Len, Len Dayton did SFTB. Oh, yes, SFTB, of course. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I was trying to remember who that was. But I, I, yes. I the, the, the Man from High Castle, the show, the TV show, is a strange one in that I felt the first two seasons were quite slow. I enjoyed them, but I could understand why it's got a lot of negative feedback at the time, and even more so when Amazon, as a kind of publicity stunt, thought they would be good to dress up a New York subway carriage as though it was um, a German subway carriage of the Nazi era and it had swastikas and things on it, which upset a great deal of the the um, population of New York. And they were forced, it was probably one of the bit worst marketing ideas known to humanity. Uh, so the first two seasons were bedeviled with, with criticism and, and um, 
which I thought was undeserved because I thought it was really well thought out, if, if kind of slow. But season three and four got right into the concept. It was much more obvious what they were talking about. Uh, and I thought this last season, season four, was was magnificent and a great piece of television. So I commend that to anyone. And at some point, did they use the, the song Tomorrow Belongs to Me? No, they didn't, no. No, no, I thought they did. I thought I saw something once on YouTube. They might have done that. The, the, the title of the, they used a very uh, evocative version of Edelweiss as the theme music. Right, right. Um, which is which is very good. Uh, and, I, you know, I think the only problem they have with this show was the, that they got into the, you know, there was a lot to do with I Ching, for instance, and various things that, that right. people may know about and other people might not. Um, and it wasn't obvious even in the, the whole of the first season, what was really going on if you weren't initiated into this kind of idea of multiverses? Um, and not everyone is. So I think they maybe got that wrong a wee bit. But once yeah. they got, had the idea of this existing, it was, it was, it was good. Oh, it was Mickey again. Yeah, because the TV companies uh, use a different kind of I Ching. It's, you know, in these days, it's more like Kerching for them, isn't that, it? So. Kerching. Yep. Yes, it certainly is. It's, it's, uh, no, but... Um, I know I know you don't watch as many of these as I do, but I mean they're they're all very worth well worth catching if you can. Yeah, um, if it comes on to council TV or uh, on the you know the satellite um, service that that we can't name, I'll I'll certainly catch it up. But if it's streaming, I can't do it because as we've discussed with my my uh, my uh, broadband situation here out in the sticks, uh, I certainly can't do anything like that. The sky's the limit. Will we yes. say that? Yeah, I mean, you, you, to put you in the picture, ladies and gentlemen, where Douglas lives, you don't even get broadband. No. It's like Greenland in the north. Yeah. Yeah. Where... And they, no, they probably get broadband, and I don't. <laughs> well, they certainly all want to talk. You can't get it down the phone lines. Oh, let's see. It's a terrible situation altogether. So that was the mule and The Man in the High Castle from Amazon Prime, The Mule, directed by whom, Douglas? I know Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, and um, produced by which studio? Uh, I think it was Warner Brothers, but it would be Clint Eastwood's own production company, Malpeso. Absolutely fantastic. So those are two recommendations for you folks. Um, have any books crossed your attention? Your, I know you spent most of the week recovering from your big diggings with the the Faculty of yeah. Advocates. Has anything crossed your I was drinking, by the way. It's just, you know, I'm getting to such an age that that, that sort of uh, gathering about just takes it out of me. Uh, books, no, I've I've um, I've been reading the, the latest Ambrose Parry because I'm, I'm interviewing um, uh, Christopher Brookmeyer and Marissa t- tomorrow night. That's Wednesday night in Glasgow, uh, uh-huh. along with... Well, along with Doug Johnson, and of course, this is Book Week Scotland uh, yes. this this week. So there's lots of events all over the place uh, for for uh, readers. Yeah, Book Week Scotland. I remember, usually library based, though not exclusively. I'll be appearing as part of Book Week Scotland next week, which is probably outside Book Week Scotland, but it's part of Book Week Scotland. If you can follow that that logic, at the Pentlands Book Festival in Curry, and of course. At Curry Library, but if you're listening to this after the event, well, it's absolutely no use to you whatsoever. But <laughs> we're recording this on the uh, 
Tuesday the 19th, I think it is, yes. Yeah, we record this on Tuesday the 19th. So definitely go out there and have a look for your 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 nearest library event, which uh, concerns Book Week Scotland. You won't be disappointed. There's always a great turnout for these events. And Douglas, you're, you're doing what again? Yeah, I, I'm interviewing um, Ambrose Parry and Doug Johnson tomorrow night. And on Saturday night, I'm in Dunbar. Uh, with Tony Black and S.G. McLean. Uh, S.G. McLean is a magnificent. Tony Black's a, a fine crime writer, and S.G. McLean, who the daughter of the famous Alistair McLean. Well, I think think she's his niece. Don't think. She's well, she's his niece. I thought she was his daughter. Yes, no, I think she's his niece. Well, she certainly writes very, very, very well. I, I really enjoy her books. Uh, yeah, a very, so, very pleasant person as well. Is that is that in Dunbar Library? Uh, I think it's in a hotel somewhere. Forgive me, I can't remember. Um, I know it's terrible, isn't it? Absolutely terrible. How will you know where to go? If, I'll have it written down somewhere. But I'll somewhere have one of my many one of my many minions will keep me right. And your account, your account, your account, your encounter with that's because I'm dealing with an account all day. Don't ask. <laughs> uh, but my, your your <laughs> your encounter with Ambrose Parry and with Doug Johnson is in the Mitchell Library in Glasgow, isn't it? It is, yes. And a fine place that is too. So remember, rush out there and catch your latest Book Week Scotland event. It's always worthwhile and it's great to support your local library service as I think every one of us, all of us authors try to do on any occasion that we can. I think you're the same, Doug's? Yes, certainly. That's a, you, you did know, a tour of recently didn't you i did a tour of the highlands yes i did um earlier this year uh, which was which was great absolutely brilliant love the highlands just love the highlands well maybe you should move up there and you get a better broadband connection it couldn't be any worse let me put it that way can't be any worse than none (laughs) anyway so don't don't forget to catch douglas at the mitchell library and following that in dunbar I'm at the Pentlands Festival next week. I think it's next Monday, the 25th. I'm, my wife isn't here to keep me right with dates. She is my mobile diary. Um, and don't forget to listen in to future episodes of Spooks. The next one coming along will be myself interviewing the legend that is Quinton Jardin. And then we'll be talking to Carol Ramsey. So those are episodes of Spooks to come. But until then, thank you very much for listening. And remember... Subscribe on your podcast provider of choice. This has been a Houses of Steel production hosted by Anchor. Bye.